The Carolina Hurricanes are less than a month away from kicking off their 25th season in Raleigh. And in today's episode, I am joined by Brett from Locked on Oilers as the 25th anniversary content begins here on Locked on Hurricanes. Your Locked on Hurricanes, your daily podcast on the Carolina Hurricanes. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, Kaniacs. I'm your host, Jared Ellis, and you're listening to Locked On Hurricanes on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team Every day. And as always, I'd like to thank you for making Locked on Hurricanes your first listen of this Monday afternoon. And don't forget to follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at LO underscore Hurricanes and myself on Twitter at Jared Ellis underscore 96 and subscribe to the show on YouTube if you haven't already. And as I mentioned, the Carolina Hurricanes are now less than a month away from kicking off their 25th season here in Raleigh, and I figured what better way to kick that stuff off than to have a look back on the 2006 Stanley Cup final with Brett from Locked on Oilers. I had a lot of fun reliving this and having that conversation with Brett of how that cup affected both franchises, how both franchises move forward after that cup final and again just reliving those memories i had a lot of fun thank you brett for coming on and enjoy folks all right kaniacs as we all know the carolina hurricanes are fixing to bring in their 25th season in raleigh and probably the best season that they've had is the 2006 season where they won the Stanley Cup. And with me today to recap that playoff run is Brett from Locked on Oilers. How are you doing today, Brett? Uh, Not too bad. Just ready to recount the saddest days of my life. How about yourself? (laughs) I am ready to recap one of the happiest days of my life. (laughs) Naturally, naturally. (laughs) Yeah, so... Obviously, you know, this was, I believe, 17 years ago now. So we're obviously a bit older than we were then. I was nine years old at the time and you were a kid as well. So, you know, coming at it from a child's perspective of watching that, I remember myself, you know, obviously, you know, remembering the playoffs beforehand, but, you know, like the one I remembered vividly was game seven. Uh, and when you know, you know, the final horn hit uh, and, you know, Doc Emmerich's call and just all that stuff. I remember all that stuff. I'm, you know, running around my parents' living room, around the coffee table, the old fat back TV that was like a thousand <laughs> yeah. pounds uh, running around. I remember, yeah, everyone hoisting the cup. We are the champions playing it, all that stuff. I remember that vividly. And it definitely feels like, I mean, you can go back to, you know, the season they actually played before because the season before this was the lockout season. Tampa mm-hmm. had won before that, the season before that, I think Detroit before then, and 
I mean, Dallas had won yeah, a couple years ahead of that as well. And it really feels like that gets overlooked when people talk about hockey succeeding in non-traditional markets. You had like these, and then the season after Anaheim won the cup as well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Of these non-traditional markets becoming a force. Yeah. The hurricanes, you know, Rocky playoff history post Stanley cup win, but you know, it, I feel like that doesn't get talked about enough. A hundred percent. I think the two thousands, I think, especially for this, our generation for a little bit of the last generation as well, I think was a a peak, not necessarily the peak, maybe even the peak of Stanley cup finals. I mean, you you go and look back at the Tampa Bay lightning and the Calgary flames and and you see, Oh, was that goal kicked in? Was it not kicked in? You got that, uh, 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 kind of debate. You got the start kind of the start, not necessarily even the start kind of the middle of the, the Detroit Red Wings era. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that all kicked off, no pun intended, with Brett Hull's skate in the crease. And it just, it, it really just solidified fantastic final after fantastic final after fantastic final after fantastic final. And then guess what? Another fantastic final all through the 2000s. And yeah, I, I completely agree. I think the, the, the Edmonton Carolina one gets... And not necessarily pushed under the carpet, but it's just the one that people don't bring up too often. I think it's because there wasn't too much firepower. There were two eight seats, which should really be the story in itself. The two eight seats, the two teams. Actually, Carolina just... was the second seed. You were the second and, seed? Yeah, Carolina was what? the second seed that year, Why? actually, I which think is you were eighth. Uh no way. I think, you know, the season they squeaked back in uh, when they ended the playoff draft, I believe they're the eighth seed then yeah, when they went to the Tampa, conference fund. I, I think that may eighth. have been it. But wow. yeah. So you guys were that, I, that did not dawn on me and just how good the Hurricanes were. And you take a look at their team and you go, wow, like it, it, you, you can tell why. And there's just so much going good for the Carolina Hurricanes. I remember when the Edmonton Oilers got their playoff spot and you, you want to talk about being kids at the time mm-hmm. I was in third grade and uh, I decide I always like to draw the hockey players. The, the hockey players were the coolest thing to me, just the aesthetic of hockey players. And I would draw the players and whatever. And I just, as soon as the Oilers made the playoffs, it was big here in Edmonton. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to make a book. I'm just going to mm-hmm. write this little book as a thir- third grader. And this book that I made was the Edmonton Oilers winning the Stanley Cup in game seven because of a shootout. I didn't know the overtime rules then, but uh, yeah. due to a shootout against the Carolina Hurricanes. And that was right before the playoffs started. And I, I, ever since then, I was always like, oh, wow, I must be a, a genius. But no, I remember just, if there was an East team, it was the Carolina Hurricanes. And then y'all became my my biggest enemy for a little while. <laughs> yeah, I definitely can understand that. And obviously, you know, as with every championship team, yeah, there's always going to be, uh, well, they wouldn't have won if you know this person got hurt, if that call was made and stuff like that. Kind of a lot of folks will go back to that conference final against Buffalo. 
uh, and, you know, say that, oh, you know, the Hurricane Stanley Cup, you know, needs an asterisk by it and, and everything like that. Um, but, you know, again, you just look at the team and the run that they had. Uh, obviously, Cam Ward won the Con Smythe uh, coming out as a rookie goaltender, you know, just playing his absolute mind off. Uh, you had Eric Stahl, who was still in the early days of his career, uh, leading the team in scoring. Um, and then, of course, you know, big thing is, you know, the veterans on the team. You know, that team was stacked with vets. You had Rod Brindamore, Glenn Wesley. Oh, God, who else did Dougie you have? Dougie Yep, Dougie Waite. Yep, he was the next was one. You had Aaron Ward as well. Justin yeah. Williams, he was still early-ish in his career as well. Um, and the start they had of a, Mr. Game 7. Mm-hmm. Yep, that was the start of Mr. Game 7 right there because uh, he had that empty netter. Yeah. Yeah, unfortunately. <laughs> and yeah, I think yeah, the, it kind of goes under the radar, like you said, of just how good this team was then. Again, good blend of veteran talent and young talent. And yeah, and yeah, yeah is great. Well, you, t- you take a look at the two teams and we mentioned we have the, the Wikipedia pages up as well, but mm-hmm. I, I, just to, for reference, and I'm taking a look and I'm looking at all the, the, the hurricanes with Stanley Cup final experience, Martin Gerber, Glenn Wesley, Aaron Ward, uh, Brent Hedekin, Waleen, Mike Commodore, uh, Oleg Tverdowski, Kevin Adams, Broad Brendamore, Recky, Eric Cole, uh, Craig Adams, we forgot to mention Mark Recky as well, but uh, mm-hmm. Corey Stillman and Yosef Vasicek, all those players had at least one Stanley Cup prior, Stanley Cup appearance mm-hmm. prior to that, uh, the 2006 one. Then you take a look at the Edmonton Oilers and the only two players who actually had any sort of experience in a Stanley Cup final was Dwayne Rolison, Radic Dvorak, sorry, three players because Rolison counts, Radic Dvorak, and Michael Pekka. Mm-hmm. And you go, oh, man, just if. And I think that kind of, you saw the experience in game seven. You came out, the Hurricanes came out to a two nothing lead. Uh, they just, I was talking to my dad before you mentioned, uh, you, you were talking to your dad about uh, some memories about it. I was like, that's a good call. I'm going to, I'm going to talk to my dad too. And uh, I just got off the phone with my dad and he was just saying like the difference between Carolina and Edmonton at the time was Carolina came out ready for mm-hmm. game seven. There was something there for the Edmonton Oilers that they just, they weren't ready, whether that was the inexperience, whether they felt down with their, their goalie out, which they shouldn't have because they just won in Edmonton at mm-hmm. home. So uh, it, it, you can always go back and go, like you mentioned, what if, what if, what if, and, but what a series this was it just the from the first game it was back and forth it was a close game until uh the worst moment in oilers history happened and when mark andre bergeron sent who was it was it eric cole who went into to roley do you remember i think so yeah it was i think somebody, it was it was somebody like that and tore his acl and mm-hmm. a funny story as well throughout the entire playoffs I'd get on my street 
street hockey pads. I'd get mm-hmm. my Oilers Rollison jersey on and throughout the entire playoffs, all throughout the game from the national anthem throughout. I always pretended to be Roly. I was always mm-hmm. the goaltender. I was always watching through the goaltender's eyes. And uh, after that, after he tore his ACL, I was like, oh, now what? I actually mm-hmm. had to sit down on the couch and watch those games and, and really feel the, the pain from what I almost felt like I was living through Dwayne mm-hmm. Rollison in a second body watching from another, the, 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 uh, off the ice really. And it was, it was, I think that was the turning point for the Edmonton Oilers was that injury. Do you guys kind of see it that way? I know that that's the narrative here in Edmonton is that if Roley didn't get hurt, we would have won that cup. What's, what's kind of the view there. I could definitely see that being the case, you know, because you know, so often, heck, you just look at the Carolina Hurricanes past season when Freddie Anderson tore his, uh, I think it's MCL in Colorado right before the end of the season. Um, yeah, you know, they still you know, made it uh, to game seven of the second round of the playoffs. But yeah, had he not gotten hurt, you know, maybe they make a bigger run. I don't know. Right. But yeah, I could definitely see that. Um, I will say, you know, one thing, yeah, that was brought up. Uh, the other day when I had Mike Maniscalco, the Hurricanes play-by-play announcer on, mm-hmm. was at the time, hockey was still very new in Raleigh. Um, right. You know, the team moved here from Hartford in 97. Um, then, yeah, they had the cup run where they lost to Troy, I think, like 2001, 2002 season. And then you get this season here. So you have to talk to, like, a lot of, like, the older folks, again, like, parents essentially because a lot of the kids are not were exactly that the kids or they weren't even born yet uh which is crazy to think about that team has been (laughs) here for so long but yeah i definitely bet online is your number one source for all of your pro and college football betting needs this season and the carolina hurricanes are also heading into their 25th season here in raleigh and they have made a lot of moves this offseason and are looking really dangerous so if you want to place a bet on those Hurricanes, your favorite football team, whatever, Bet Online is the place to do it. Find all of the latest football league developments, game matchup news, and podcasts, including this coming week's games. Bet Online is also your continued source for all of your sports wagering information, include, including live betting, esports, and more. The fastest and easiest way to check in on all of your favorite sports and events, including MLB, MMA, boxing, golf, and more. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. Bet online where the game starts. I think it really comes down to to that injury. I I think, you know, if it could have gone either way, uh, for sure, obviously, it went to game seven. Uh, of course, it could have gone either way, but, you know, it, it's crazy to think about. I think, like you said, that experience, I think at the end of the day, may have been what carried the team over the hump. You know, you look at your captain, Rod, you know, he went in the mid-90s with Philly. Then he had that cup run early 2000s with the Hurricanes. And then, you know, he finally gets over here. And then, like you, all the other guys you mentioned with cup experience, for the team then I think at the end of the day you know that experience is really what got them over the hump honestly because had everyone stayed healthy there's no telling what we're talking about 
A hundred percent. A hundred percent. And I mean, I that summer was a summer the Edmonton Oilers brought in Chris Pronger and Michael Pekka. And I just I remember the buzz around mm-hmm. Edmonton going, you know what? This is this is the year again. It's it's gonna be 1990 all over again in 2006. And I remember driving through, well, not me personally, because I was in third grade, but I remember driving th- from the grocery store back to my parents' place in uh, South Side Edmonton, and there's people people with signs going honk for the Oilers, honk for the Oilers. And all you could hear is honk, 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 all the way down 23rd Avenue. It mm-hmm. was, it, it was, and that was the other thing that I really got from my dad was he has been around the city when Edmonton wins, when mm-hmm. Edmonton, Edmonton is a playoff hockey town. I mean, now with the way that the Oilers are, maybe that'll start to change, but just with, how poor the Oilers were for ever since the Stanley cup final people not necessarily didn't care about the Oilers, but everybody was just like, Oh, it's the Oilers season again. We always had a uh, uh, sold out stadium, blah, blah, blah. But you just felt something different. You feel something different when the mm-hmm. it's the playoffs. Everybody in Edmonton has a smile on their face to see each other going down the, the street and going, hey, how's it going? Oh, good. How are you? And, and you're friends. Mm-hmm. There, there's no animosity. You're not strangers. You're friends. And that's what that Edmonton Oilers team did. And that's what playoff Edmonton Oilers do to the city. And I think as for a young age like me, being able to see that camaraderie of the city we had people down white avenue hanging off of a light post going we want the cup we want the cup like we got everything and and that was my dad said after the oilers lost he was torched he was tired after for weeks because of the energy that the city was putting into it that's how much this meant to edmonton and and still you go back to those days and you still kind of see today just the 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 pieces that are still lying around yeah it's definitely playoff hockey is definitely something else entirely um because like you mentioned um edmonton they didn't make the playoffs from this stanley cup final to 2017 the hurricanes um from this stanley cup they made the playoffs once uh, in between then and 2018-19 season, where they went to the conference final in 09 when the Penguins won. Yeah. Uh, so definitely both these teams after this cup just took a nosedive, honestly. And, you know, with us being at our age, a lot of our fandom has been in the no playoff time. Um you know, the hurricanes, you know, whenever they came here um, and were in Greensboro, North Carolina, when PNC Arena was still being built, you know, like that first game or whatever. Yeah, a really good crowd back for that. You know, attendance, you know, plummeted. Uh, the mm. jokes that folks will make, uh, oh, no fans, relocate to Quebec and stuff like that. You know, oh. like that then very much the case and then yeah they slowly start getting their following um and yeah they make playoffs the first time in 99 you know they go to the cup in 0102 and then they win 0506 and i do feel that that was something that really you know cemented almost 
hockey here, or at least tried to. But then again, you go for so long just in mediocrity. And yeah. I think it really, it hurt the team, obviously, um, an organization like getting that foothold here, but they've obviously got it now. Uh, you know, new ownership, new management, made the playoffs for four straight years. They got their franchise tentpole players. Um, but, you know, in talking with my dad, you know, about it, you know, he remembers, you know, day one in Greensboro, his uh, white Hurricanes jersey. He bought it at Greensboro Coliseum in the first wow. season. Uh, and, you know, you talk about your dad. I'll tell you what my dad said. Uh, you know, he remembers, you know, the excitement that was around of the team is like, you know, they're getting going. Like, oh, okay, you know, we actually got something going now. Um, mm-hmm. You know, because the Panthers had just lost in the Super Bowl a couple years prior. Uh, and, you know, I think think the hornets the hornets had just moved to new orleans oh, and we yeah. had just gotten the bobcats uh before they changed their name back to hornets and they trash <laughs> I, don't even get me started on that uh but yeah cam ward uh breaking out um and going on that run cementing himself as you know uh nhl goalie um yeah yeah you can argue yeah the con smite season was his peak yeah i I know he got vesna votes i think he made the all-star game once when it was here uh in raleigh i believe he was there Mm -hmm. but yeah as i've talked about before yeah especially towards the latter days of him being here no quality backups constantly getting overplayed playing hurt not having a team in front of him and just his prime getting cut short um because of all that but then again yeah also talk about Eric Stahl. He's coming off his 100-point season, leading the team in scoring in the playoffs. Rod Brindamore uh, finally getting you know that monkey off his back. You know, he's regarded as the play- greatest player in franchise history for a reason. Um, mm-hmm. And you know the excitement of the team making the cup, counting down the seconds until they actually won uh, when that final horn sounded. And... Yeah, just folks really embracing the team. Um, I think, you know, if they were able to capitalize on that success, then maybe, you know, folks aren't just now taking notice. um, Because obviously in the past few years, it's become a hockey destination. You know, with Calvin DeHaan, he was like the really first big free agent that was brought in uh, a few few years ago. But now you got most recent one, Brent Burns waving his no trade clause to come here. Mm-hmm. And it's obviously a testament to what they got going now. But yeah, the success of that season, I think, really goes under the radar. Like you mentioned, that whole just Stanley Cup final in general. Obviously, you can argue, you know, it's two small markets. Obviously, the Oilers, you know, much bigger deal in Canada uh, than they are in the States. But Raleigh, North Carolina, small market. Uh, you know, we got two professional soccer teams in the area uh, as well, but yeah, that's it. And actually at the time, I don't even think they were here either. <laughs> yeah, wow. Well, it's so, I, I, I'm, I'm kind of getting lost and not lost in it, but I, I'm just like listening to it all. And 
I'm putting myself back in that that old Millwood's house of mine with mm-hmm. the gross green tinted walls. I just remember how empty of a feeling it was. It, it, yeah. It's it, it's really it's cool to be able to to years now down the road be able to to hear somebody who was there who were who was able to celebrate it where so many of the the people that I've been able to to interact and connect with have all been Oilers fans and have all just gone, oh, it was the worst time, worst time. Mm-hmm. And being able to hear just like the other side of it, it, it it's so cool. It, it, it's so, and it, that that is the beauty of the sport. I think mm-hmm. that a lot had to come about for that Stanley Cup to come together. But I think it was... Uh, genuinely one of the best if not the best from the 2000s and you see the outcomes that came from it obviously the growth of hockey in in north carolina and and even the states in general even almost Mm -hmm. as well you see the deterioration of the oilers i mean right after that chris pronger demanded his trade was gone went to anaheim won his uh stanley cup there yeah Mike Pecco was gone after that year as well. It was the deterioration of that team. And then Kevin Lowe and, and, and uh, Craig McTavish had to go and sit there and go, okay, who do we have to keep? And they kept the wrong guys for years, for mm-hmm. years and became, as we call it up here, the decade of darkness. And, and it only took until 2015 for them to draft the greatest player ever for things to finally start to turn over and go, okay, now we might have a chance now last year was nice you know and and that was that was the big thing i think for edmontonians for the last uh stanley cup run i guess well not even stanley cup run for the last playoff run i guess Mm -hmm. was that it, it really reminded a lot of people of that team I mean, you went into the Calgary Flames series and the Oilers weren't supposed to win that at all. Yeah. And everybody just wrote them off. I wrote them off. I said the Flames were going to win in seven. And and there you sat there and went, okay, this is an underdog team. And then they won. And then you go, oh, okay, they have Connor McDavid yeah. and Leon Dreisaitl. And you're like, oh, okay, maybe they're not so much. But it, 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 you felt the city come alive again. You, you had the moss pit. You had the people outside of, of the uh, uh, media room going, let's go, Oilers. We want the cup. You know, I'm in. I'm in. All these, these, these things that culminated together, I think, really – the reason why they culminated for so, or the way they did is because of this 2006 Stanley cup final. It took so long. And my dad even said, and I, we keep bringing up our fathers because I mean, I, I won't speak for you, but yeah. for my dad personally, like he was, he was a hockey fan before the Oilers came into mm-hmm. Edmonton, got, got set. Like he was there when the Oilers were the Oilers in the eighties. And mm-hmm. so like he said, like it was, He's been so mad for so long after that 2006 Stanley Cup final because the Oilers just didn't do anything to try and get there again. And now they finally have a team that can finally do that. And that's been kind of the, the thing within the city since 2006 is just the, the, the feeling of, oh, the Oilers suck anyways. Oh, the, the, everybody in my generation has always gone, oh, the, I mm-hmm. cheer for this other team because throughout the, the year since 2006, the Oilers sucked. 
Like there was no reading. Mm-hmm. The, the best player was Alish Hemsky for years, years. And, and when no knock to Alish Hemsky, I love Alish Hemsky, but you sit there and you go, okay, this team is not fantastic. They're not doing anything to make the move. And you just sit there in mediocrity, mediocrity for so long. And Edmontonians got sick and tired of it, especially after seeing 2006. So I think, that that final it was so important for the future of both organizations positively and negatively as well yeah i totally agree there again you have hurricanes aside from that one season no playoffs as well um it wasn't until 2015 when sebastian ajo got drafted where it felt like all right you know we got something to cheer for because you know jeff skinner he kind of peaked early Eric mm-hmm. Stahl, he was on the decline as well. Things just weren't clicking for him anymore. Uh, same with Cam Ward, like we talked about already. But, yeah, it definitely feels like this 2006 Stanley Cup uh, was really what cemented, like, a lot of folks around our age, at least here, uh, really got folks into hockey. Um, obviously, a lot of folks, you know, didn't necessarily stick around with the Hurricanes per se um, because, again, team not being great. Um, but again, a lot of folks still did um, because, you know, the Hurricanes, even when they're bad, they still had good turnouts to the games and the crowd was still loud. Yeah, may have been a lot of visiting fans there, too, but the home fans were always very loud as well and supported the team. And like you said, you know, you go around Edmonton you know, in those years like, oh, the Oilers suck. Uh, you know, it's the same thing with the Hurricanes uh, for a long time. You know, folks not even realizing that we had the team. Um, and, you know, especially like with like a lot of transplants moving in uh, over the past few years, them not knowing about the team because the team hasn't been good. But again, in the past, you know, four, five years, team really turning a corner and being a consistent playoff team and really finally starting to build um i think yeah a lot of that comes from your captain of that team is now your head coach uh and having the right folks in place as well um he wasn't a player on that team but tim gleason you now you know Mm. assistant coach you know one of rod's former teammates um absolute monster on the blue line for the hurricanes back in the day uh, having the right folks that know how to win. You talk about, you know, the Stanley Cup experience on the team back then. You've got that now, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, gosh, you know, trying to remember who all is on the team now, having had so much turnover. Um, but, you know, Brent Burns having been to Stanley Cup, uh, you got Jordan Stahl having won Stanley Cup before Tavo Taravainen. You got, oh, gosh, who else do we have? Because we got so many young guys, too, which is uh, Mm -hmm. definitely throwing me for a loop. Um, Yeah, gosh. I forgot about Tevu, too. Tevu is part of a very important uh, um, uh, Chicago Blackhawks team back then. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. He's got cup experience. Oh, gosh. Who else do we have? Derek Stepan. He's on a PTO. Um, I think he may. I think he may be able to get a contract. Max Pacioretty, he's obviously hurt right now, but yeah, again, it's just crazy to think about just how long it took these teams to finally capitalize, but they are, which I think is really important um, for obviously the teams and their future success. 
but just their markets in general. Um, you know, you go downtown now, um, and you, you see hurricanes t-shirts, you see hurricanes jerseys, um, especially during the season, you know, like the little banners that, uh, people will hang from light poles. You know, oh, yeah. you got, uh, hurricanes ones, you got playoff ones. Um, and you know, the team is being embraced by the city. And I think that's really important. Whether you're a day one fan, like my dad, you know, a fan that's been around you know, for, since they're a little kid going up, growing up and going to games like me, or, you know, it's a new fan. I think it's, great that you, know, you got a team that's finally capitalizing on success the way they didn't in the in the uh previous era a hundred percent i think we should maybe uh roll off with our favorite uh, memory from that playoffs maybe let's let's keep it to the final what was your favorite memory from the final and if you say dwayne rolson going down i will board a plane right now and come see you <laughs> no honestly i think it's a bit well, there's two things. Uh, first and foremost, the Game 7 uh, hype video with Nickelback. I think that was unmatched. I don't know how oh. we haven't started talking about it until now. We but still that, talk about that to this that day is here. That is elite. Oh, um, yes. But honestly, I would say there's a reason he's uh, one of my favorite players ever is Justin William getting that empty netter. Um, you know, when the team wasn't good you know when he went to la i would watch la because of him mm -hmm. um and then obviously the legend of mr game seven just continued to grow uh yeah since then but yeah honestly it's probably just williams and of course you know just all of it you know cam ward winning the con Smythe, eric stall you know having a tremendous just playoff in general but for you what was your favorite moment from that final yeah, it's a little bittersweet, I guess. But um, for me, it would be the rise of Fernando Pisani and just the massive goals that he he would consist the the game winner and what was it game two or game three? I believe it was. I can't remember when exactly he scored one of the his big game winner. I think it was actually an overtime of one of those games too. And, and it just an Edmonton boy, a local kid. It almost it was almost Mark Messier ish, and it was his mm -hmm. one year that he really sent off. He was the leading scorer in the playoffs. You know, he was just the guy for the Oilers when they still had Mike Pekka, Chris Pronger, uh, mm -hmm. Sean Horkoff, Alex Hemsky. But it was this local Italian lad from yeah. Edmonton, Alberta, who came out and really just balled out for the Edmonton Oilers. And, and I mean, I, I believe it was the following year he ended up uh, uh, with colitis and it kind of derailed his season and his career as well. And, and that was just, uh, if you could keep one beautiful thing in your mind, is just Fernando Pisani and Ryan Smith just, just, just celebrating together, the toothless grin of Ryan Smith and... Yeah, it just it, it brings back so many. Like, that's why I brought out these jerseys today because it, mm -hmm. it, it's it, nostalgic, and and you see, I see Fernando Pisani and Ryan Smith in these jerseys, and it's the the realization of the love of the game that you kind of had, and that was the growth of it, and now we're here, <laughs> you know. So, yeah, I think that's really really what it is is Pisani and and those those nostalgic moments. Yeah, it is definitely is fun to look back on for sure. And now with both teams, like we've been talking about, they finally got the right pieces in place. 
it feels like, you know, it's only a matter of time before these teams, you know, get back to the Stanley Cup. Whether or not they play each other, that's obviously astronomical odds, but it could happen. These teams, they finally got the right guys in place to make another run. Do you get revenge? I don't know. Maybe, you know, I go up to nothing in the cup against you. But, yeah, yeah, definitely those nostalgic moments. And you talk about, yeah, Edmonton boy being the breakout player of those playoffs. With the way hockey is growing in Raleigh, I've been talking about it with uh, team reporter Walt Ruff uh, yesterday, Mike Maniscalco Mm -hmm. uh, the other day, and NC State uh, head coach earlier in the week. Before too long, there's going to be someone from Raleigh like consistently in the NHL, the way this uh, the game is growing here and the way the junior team is playing. And it's going to happen eventually. Good, good. I think and- it all comes back to Stanley Cup. Mm-hmm. 100%. And, and it all goes back to the Stanley Cup, goes to the development, speaks to the development as well of the game down south too. It really, really does. Uh, now, Brett, where can my listeners find you on social media and where can they find your show if they wish to share some memories with you? Yes, please do. Please share some memories because, I mean, yes, it is a little bit of a, a sad nostalgia, but it's still nostalgic anyways. You can find me personally on all social medias at the real Holden 40, but you don't care about me. You care about the Oilers and the product on the ice. And you can find the show at Locked on Oilers on Twitter, exactly how it sounds. And if you haven't subscribed already to the podcast on YouTube, then what are you doing? You can find it at Locked on Oilers, exactly how it sounds there as well. And for any of your listeners that want to catch up with me in the Hurricanes, you can find the show on Twitter, Instagram, at LO underscore Hurricane. Subscribe to the show on YouTube. You can find the show on whatever streaming platform you're listening to this on. And you can find me on Twitter at Jared Ellis underscore 96. It's been great talking to you, Brett. And I will send you pictures of all my Stanley Cup stuff later because I totally forget forgot to get some of that stuff out. But it was great talking <laughs> to you. And... Let's go, Canes. Oh, you as well. Play La Bamba, baby. <laughs>